Welcome to Hair Like Hers, a show all about women's hair health and wellness, giving you access to leading experts in the beauty, health, and medical industries, and sharing their experiences, treatments, and helpful tips with you. I'm your host, Shab Reslin, born into the hair industry and a hair health expert in NYC. There is a major lack of resources, clarity, and solutions for women and their unique hair struggles. I've dedicated myself to the research and study of hair growth, hair health, and the scalp because women need more guidance and access to effective solutions. Why women? Because the topic has always been a taboo thing and I'd like to change that. I want to illuminate the importance of overall health and the best daily practices it takes. So join me in discovering the secrets to truly being your best self and to have the best hair of your life now and forever. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Hair Like Hers podcast. Today's topic is a big freaking deal. PCOS has become such a common issue for women and there can never be enough information on it. It's directly related to hair loss and thinning amongst many other symptoms, but there's almost always a hair-related issue no matter the severity of your PCOS. So I have been waiting for so long to have this conversation, but it wasn't easy to find the right person. There's so much fluff out there around PCOS just because it's such a broad type of issue that can have symptoms ranging from acne, from facial hair, hormonal imbalances, obviously hair-related issues. But it's really tough to find someone who specializes in it. Today with my guest, Corey Ruth, a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and women's health expert, we're talking all about PCOS. It's her focus. And we dive deep into what exactly it is, definitive symptoms versus misdiagnoses that we see, experience with clients that she's had regarding their hair loss and hair thinning. We talk about the most prevalent symptoms as of late, so what we're seeing today that younger generations are experiencing. We talk about common causes of PCOS, her thoughts on avoiding medication or just medications in general, and of course her diet and different remedy approach that she focuses on. If you go to her Instagram page, you're going to see everything about how to eat properly, how to live day to day, you know, in a way that will help support your PCOS, prevent your PCOS or eliminate it. So wealth of knowledge for you there. You can follow her at the women's dietitian on Instagram. I've never seen a page like that before. So here it is, you guys. I hope you love it. Okay, everybody, we have someone so interesting today, and I have been dying to have this conversation for so long because it is an important conversation. It is a super prevalent subject, and I wanted to make sure that we had the right person on so that we can give you guys the best knowledge out there. I want to welcome my guest, Corey Ruth, to the show. Welcome, Corey. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to chat today. I think there's a lot of good stuff we're going to cover. There's definitely so much to cover, and I don't know how we're going to get through everything, but we're going to try our best to give you guys a really good understanding of this subject of PCOS and have you guys walk away with, you know, how to look out for it, things that you can do to prevent it. We're going to talk about common symptoms and side effects. We're going to talk about medication related to PCOS and, of course, diet and different remedies, which is you know, obviously your specialty. So Corey, if you can just start off by telling everybody a little bit about you and your background and what made you become this PCOS expert with this amazing platform that you have. 
Sure. Yeah. So I am a registered dietitian. So basically we are sort of the experts in food and nutrition. And I started in in that and I was always interested in women's health and hormone health. I did a lot of work when I got my master's in that area. Whatever we got to do projects or you know any kind of anytime we got to deviate from like our textbook and you know just kind of standard typical dietetic stuff, I was always wanting to go towards things that relate to women's health and our hormones. And then I do have PCOS myself, which is polycystic ovary syndrome. And so after I started my own business, I thought, okay, the number one thing that I'm not going to get into is PCOS because it's so complicated and there's so much that we don't understand fully. And then once I thought about it and after kind of thinking about all the experiences that I have had just having PCOS and going to the doctor and not getting the support and the care that I need, there's there's a huge connection between what we're eating, how we're eating and PCOS. So I thought, okay, I, I kind of am the perfect person because not only do I have personal experience with this condition for, for years, I, I, you know, I am a dietitian and I, you know, I have a master of nutritional science. So yeah, I kind of bridged the two together and it's just been an amazing journey. I'm so grateful to be in this space because it is so needed. There's such a lack of care in our, unfortunately, in our healthcare system when it comes to PCOS. And, you know, one of the main, one, one of the top symptoms of PCOS is hair loss. So, and something that I personally have struggled with too in the past. So all of these pieces kind of came together and I opened up my doors and it's just, my practice has exploded and I'm so grateful and I'm so happy to be in this space. It's such a necessary specialty. And, and, and I think it says a lot that you didn't want to go near it because you knew how complicated <laughs> it was. And then yeah. you recognized the potential in bettering your diet and, and how useful that was. So, mm-hmm. you know, what a better way to come to want to really focus on something instead of running away from it, just like fully embracing mm-hmm. it. True. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So tell us a little bit about Let's just get to the foundation of PCOS. Sure. What is it exactly? Yeah. So first of all, a couple of stats, because I estimate that about 10 to 15% of women have PCOS and a lot of women go undiagnosed for reasons that we can get into. But I guess just one of them being that it is so complex and it really can look different on everyone. So my PCOS might look different from, you know, the woman next to me in the same room who also has the same diagnosis, which makes it even more trickier to navigate and understand. It's the leading cause of infertility, which is also really interesting. And it's the most common endocrine condition in the entire world. So a few stats there. And like I said, it stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. So in order to be diagnosed with PCOS, you have to meet two out of three criteria, which means that you don't meet all of that, right? So one of the criteria, the diagnostic criteria are irregular periods. And, you know, if we talk about defining that, it could be anywhere like most, most normal cycles are around 21 to 35 days-ish. And you can count on them coming regularly, right? They show up on a kind of cyclical basis. Oftentimes with PCOS, people will have, women will have no period, will get bleeding all the time, just random spotting, random bleeding, or it just comes very irregularly. Like it'll come every 17 days and then 85 and then 55. So there's no clear pattern. So that's one of the criteria. Another is either physical symptoms or clinical elevations in androgen levels, which are our male sex hormones. The most common one that we know of is testosterone. So those elevations in androgen levels can cause hair loss. It can also cause facial and body hair growth. It can cause acne. It can make it harder to 
lose weight and maintain weight loss. So there's different factors there. And then the last one, this is the most confusing one, but polycystic ovaries. So the only way to be diagnosed with that is if you go get a pelvic ultrasound. And what those are, these are not, cysts is kind of a misnomer, right? Because these are not the cysts that can burst and cause pain. We hear about women, oh, I had a grapefruit-sized cyst and it ruptured. That's different. You can have that and have PCOS, but that's a totally separate thing. Polycystic ovaries are basically where our our little follicles, which are what hold our eggs when we ovulate, they're just trying to all develop at once and none of them are maturing and developing on time. So they look like a little string of pearls on an ultrasound. So that's how to be diagnosed with PCOS. There's a huge blood sugar and insulin connection as well, but it's not a requirement. So that's like interesting, right? So all these different like symptoms. And and I think what's interesting is that at the same time that it can cause hair loss, it can cause increase in facial hair, right? That's like really confusing because it's two like opposing things, but but both related with the hair growth system. So that's interesting. And then like irregular periods, which you said, you know, can vary, right? It can mean different things, but right. And, the, and so you were saying that like 10 to 15% of women have PCOS. And then how many were you saying that go like misdiagnosed or undiagnosed? You know, I don't know the extent on that. There probably, probably is out there. I don't know it and it changes yeah. too. But what we do know that many women don't get the diagnosis that they need. Right. Because And then couldn't it also be in the opposite end where women are getting diagnosed incorrectly with PCOS? Sometimes we see that. Sometimes we see that, especially when I see that in younger women, like women who are 16, if their periods are irregular. Well, they just started menstruating a year ago. So their cycles are going to take some time to regulate. So I see a lot of diagnosis that happen at 14, 15. And then later when women are in their 30s, they're like, wait a minute, Corey, I don't meet any criteria for PCOS. Do I have PCOS? I'm like, when were you diagnosed? Oh, when I was 14, it's like, okay, you, you probably don't. Wow. Um, and then also if you come, yeah, if you take birth control for a long time, you know, it can take a while for cycles to regulate and symptoms to kind of come back or ever float. So sometimes women are given a PCOS diagnosis immediately after coming off birth control. And that's not always, you know, what's, ha- what's actually happening. So yeah, those can happen. So because I think this is definitely one of those things that I've Googled myself and I just mm-hmm. just like the many different like things that I've gone through and, you know, we don't have to get into those details, but just the, you know, I, I'm guessing the average woman that's listening to this has also Googled some of her symptoms and trying to find out if what it means and where it's coming from and, and how to oh, yeah. fix it or regulate it. But like a, a couple of uh-huh. times I came across PCOS and I was like, hold on a second, this is so much bigger. And then it like opened up this whole new like, you know reality for me. And it kind of freaked me out, obviously, because that's what Googling any mm. kind of symptoms does. But I I just think that, you know, and I, and I can't imagine I'm the only woman that's been in that, you know, in that kind of situation or has experienced yeah. that, but which is why, like, I would really love to get down to the details of what, what exactly, you know, how you can know for sure if you have it. And so let's say, okay, so we have these definitive symptoms versus something that may be misdiagnosed. What what else have you seen out there with people that have come to you? Like maybe what what can help the listeners to to, you know, better just understand themselves if they if they have it or not? Yeah. So I would always, always, always start with testing, right? Go and get some lab work done 
and I can talk about which labs I would recommend to get, but you always want to start. I mean, the more knowledge is power and the more data we have, the better. So I would always recommend trying to get a full hormone panel. And that would include testosterone. It usually can include DHEAS, which is something else we can test as an androgen. It can also contribute to hair loss. But estrogen, you know, progesterone, FSH, TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone. And then I would also recommend getting your blood sugars looked at. So that would include your A1C and a fasting insulin and or fasting glucose. I would also recommend looking at your vitamin D. Women with PCOS are chronically deficient in vitamin D, and that can cause all kinds of issues when it comes to cycle regularity, mood issues, sleep, skin. So take a look at that. And then I would also get your iron and your B12 looked at. Both of those can cause hair loss, but also can cause a you know, wide range of other symptoms that can look and feel like PCOS and many other things, right? Like fatigue, you know, that's a huge one. If someone's presenting with fatigue, it's like, okay, that's so vague. You know, we can have many different areas to explore. So I would, I would start with some testing and you can also get a pelvic ultrasound and take a look at your ovaries. And if you've got that little string of pearl cysts, it could potentially point to PCOS. You know, it's hard to just go up a symptom. Yeah. Alone. So, Okay. (laughs) So let's say if somebody had the regular blood work and all these kind of markers were off, then we would move Mm -hmm. to maybe an ultrasound. And then, then, you know, where do we go from there? What happens after that? Right. Right. If they do discover the ring of pearls. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So so that look like. Great question. And that's why I opened my practice because tips. Sorry, the tattoo that my daughter put on my hand. <laughs> I just saw that. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, it looks like an, a smushed cupcake. Okay, cool. You, what, what next, right? So you get a PCOS diagnosis, or maybe you're at least halfway there and you're thinking this is probably what's going on. In the doctor's office, we, there's different, there's different scenarios. So we get told to get on birth control. Not all of us want to take birth control obviously. Some of us, it works great. And that's, if you want to go that route, wonderful. But if not, I, you know, I want listeners and I want my followers and my patients to know there's other options to explore. So we get told to go birth control. Number one, that's the number one air quotes solution. The second is we're told to just lose weight. And a lot of times doctors give dietary advice, which really kind of irks a lot of us in the dietetic world because, you know, doctors get typically on average one nutrition class throughout their entire training and schooling. So they're not the experts in nutrition, but a lot of my patients, especially if they have higher BMIs, body mass index, they're told go keto or just cut carbs or just stop eating sugar. <laughs> that, right. That's not the implication. Helpful. Right. And it's not sustainable. And it just makes women feel like this is impossible. So that's the second thing that we're told. And then the third thing that we're often told is just come back when you want to get pregnant. Now, the reason why that's problematic is obviously not everybody wants to get pregnant. And also it kind of, I feel like it makes PCOS just seem like it doesn't matter unless you're trying to conceive, which is so false. I mean, most of us try to conceive if we do have kids for, you know, not, not, not on many years, as many years we're going to be suffering with PCOS. So yeah. So, so that. That is kind of the, the typical scenario that you'll see when you get your diagnosis and you're asking for help. That's why people like me, like myself, exist because there's such a gap in that care. So there are so many things that we can do from a dietary and lifestyle management side of things in order to help to manage our PCOS effectively and squash those symptoms. There's no cure for PCOS, but you could absolutely 
take control of your symptoms and make them better. So yeah, there's different routes you can go. There's there's different specialties. You, know, you can work with a naturopathic doctor. You can work with a dietitian. All of us run different alternative testing that looks at your adrenals. You know, there's there's all kinds of testing that you can also do to kind of dive in deeper. If you're looking at your labs, like this doesn't make too much sense to me, or I feel like I want to dive deeper. There's other testing we can do, but there's so many things from, like I said, like as food and dietary management, lifestyle management, when it comes to stress, exercise, gut health, sleep, endocrine disrupting chemicals, all these things that we can do to kind of effectively manage our PCOS. I think it's so sad that the doctor would kind of chalk up the three solutions to what you mentioned or birth control, lose weight, or just like come back when you're pregnant, like as if women are supposed Mm -hmm. to be dealing with these symptoms and issues. Like Right. That's that, that's the conversation I just can't wait for it to disappear is that like yeah. you're supposed to have like these symptoms or like facial hair right. is, is normal if it comes out of nowhere or, you know, <laughs> menstruation like cramps or, yeah. you know, the weight gain, the weight loss, weight difficulty. Gain. You're just getting older. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's so sad yes. that like we're not yes. focusing on these things because it's 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 all about our health. It's not even the yes. you know the superficial part of it it's it's so much more than that so so true yeah so okay true. so let's talk about some of your experiences with mm-hmm. clients and their hair loss or hair thinning are there any journeys sure. that you can share with us or what you've seen to maybe mm-hmm. help somebody who's currently experiencing that whether they know they have PCOS or they don't Okay. Yeah. So with hair loss, hair loss can potentially have many contributing factors, as you know, as probably many of your listeners know. So if somebody's just coming to me with hair loss, you know, we want to make sure if it, that it's PCOS related. So that being said, if it is PCOS related, it would be coming from elevated androgens. So if you have elevated testosterone, DHT, DHEA, you know, androsterone, all these different androgens you can test if you've got elevations there, that that means that your hair loss is coming from PCOS. And that's where we can kind of talk about management here. So you're going to want to work on getting those androgens down. And that can help with the other symptoms if you're experiencing them, right? The facial, the body hair growth, the acne, things like that. So there is a direct connection between what we're eating and our androgen levels when we have PCOS. So it all comes down to, and this is not a very sexy subject, but I talk about it a lot because it's so important and that's blood sugar regulation. And, we, you know, most of us understand blood sugar in the context of diabetes, right? We talk about blood sugar control and glucose and insulin and diabetics. Blood sugar management is actually extremely important for women and our hormones. It has a lot to do. There's a huge connection between what our hormones, our sex hormones are doing and our blood sugar control. So two things, blood sugar management, when our blood sugar is not as regulated as it could be, should be, it actually sends messages down to our ovaries if we have PCOS to pump out more androgens. And that makes our symptoms worse, right? So if we're not working on blood sugar control and management, our androgens can potentially be raging and our hair loss could be happening more and more, you know, hair shedding, thinning, hair loss, no regrowth, blah, blah, blah. So the other piece with blood sugar is to cortisol. When our blood sugar is all over the place, it's a stressor on the body. The body has to work overtime to regulate it. And that's that stress can basically increase our cortisol, which is our stress hormone. And as we know, stress can make hair loss worse. 
So you really want to focus on your diet when you have PCOS in order to better your symptoms. There's different things, you know, that we talk about in my practice as far as blood sugar control. Obviously, I could talk for like nine years about that, but just to kind of condense, we really want to focus a lot on protein and fiber and we want to focus less on carbohydrate intake. That's not to say carbs are bad and cut them out because we still need them. But I think the way that our food system has kind of shifted has it's very carb centric. You know, we we eat a lot of carbohydrates. And every almost every single time I work with a client or I have a, a program member tracking their diet and their macros, they're always shocked at how many carbs they're eating and they didn't realize it. So that's really something you want to drill down and, and, and prioritize because that protein and that fiber is going to make your blood sugar happy. Those are the two things that are going to make your blood sugar happy. Carbs are going to kind of, you know, make it a little bit wackier. So you want to, if you're going to be doing carbs, you want to try to pick complex carbs, which means that has some fiber. So like that's the difference between white rice and brown rice, right? Brown rice has that fiber. White rice is stripped of that fiber. So if we eat the brown rice, our blood sugar is going to be happier. We can also combine our carbs with a protein or a fat, and that's going to help negate that blood sugar spike. So instead of, you know, but I'm also a big advocate of regular meals and snacks. So if we go a really long time without eating, like I have clients who skip breakfast, they don't have a morning snack, they go right to this huge lunch and then they're full and then they eat like a late big dinner when they get home from work and then they go to bed. Their blood sugar is basically like drops and then it spikes up really high. It drops again, it spikes. And you've got these big peaks and valleys our blood sugar and our hormones are happier when our blood sugar is kind of steady eddy. And if you're doing the regular smaller meals and regular snacks, it's going to be happier for control. So it's not about, you know, eliminating food groups. It's not about taking out random foods. Uh, you know, we do a lot of work in gluten and dairy and soy and sugar and, you know, what, what should we avoid eliminate? The, the truth is of PCOS, you don't have to eliminate anything. Everything can fit. It's just a matter of how much and when. So that's really the approach that I, you know, that I work from. And so the, the blood sugar control piece is really, really huge. Exercise can also really help to manage your blood sugar effectively. So a lot of us have shifted into more sedentary ways of life, like, right, especially with the pandemic and working from home and desk jobs. And it, it's just it's just the way that our lifestyle is. So getting in some movement can be really helpful to stabilize your blood sugar and get those androgens down. There are specific things that can be helpful for lowering androgens when it comes to supplements. That's another huge piece. Yeah. We know that spearmint tea can be really helpful. It's kind of an anti-androgenic. It has anti-androgenic properties. So that's something that you can swap out your coffee for. Not all of it. I'm not going to be checking police, but some of it. And you could do and also tea. just that can help to lower those androgens. And Corey, like I tried yeah. tons of mint tea, I mean like fresh mint tea. Would, would any kind of uh -huh. mint tea help or is it specific to spearmint? Do we know? Specifically spearmint. Yeah. Okay. Specifically spearmint, not peppermint. Yeah. Good question. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So that could be helpful. And then, of course, supplements. There's tons out there. Yeah. That can yeah help. Let's talk about some supplements. Mm -hmm. I love supplements. I take them every yeah, single right. day. I have about good for you. anywhere from 30 to 60 in the routine. It's kind of oh insane. Gosh. I love it. I'm obsessed. It does me good. I've seen the differences and changes. So I'm all for it. What would you say are some of the top ones you would recommend for balancing things yeah. out? 
Yeah. So do, are we talking about hair loss specifically or just PCOS well, or? It's PCOS specifically. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So supplements are one of the biggest mistakes I see people making is they'll like they'll they'll DM me on Instagram and say, hey, like I want to lose weight and I have this and this and this and it's helpful. What supplements should I take? Supplements are one piece of the puzzle, right? But they're supportive and they can absolutely be integral, but they're they're still part of that puzzle. And there's many different pieces of the puzzle. So I want to just preface that, you know, because we all want to just take a pill and make it better. I totally get that. I'm right there with you, but we have to consider them as as supplemental pieces, supplementary pieces. So as far as PCOS goes, I love one of my top recommendations is something called Ovacetol. And that is a combination of two, what we call like vitamin-like substances, inositols in a specific ratio. And it really helps with blood sugar regulation. It really helps with androgen lowering properties. And it's also really great for egg quality if you are kind of in that fertility space. But Ovacetol is a wonderful supplement for PCOS. One of my top recommendations. How do you spell that? Yeah, it's O-V-A-S-I-T-O-L. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of a funny name. And so would you end that every day? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, you can use it. It's, it can sort of act very similar to metformin, which if you have PCOS, I guarantee you at some point, your doctor has recommended metformin to you. Metformin is a blood sugar regulator, basically. And then that's a very, like, it's very layman terms, but it can help with it. It's a diabetes medication, basically. So Ovacetol can kind of act as a natural alternative. I won't say substitute, but it can be really helpful in similar ways. Um, Good to know. So androgen excess is something that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Androgen excess is something that, especially with hair loss and PCOS or hair growth on the face or body or acne, we want to work on. And so th there's two supplements that I created in my supplement line. I have a PCOS line. One of them is an androgen blocker. And that has been, I mean, the, this one and the other one have like a cult following because people love them so much. It's got zinc and salt palmetto and pygium and nettles, and it's all helped to encourage lower androgen production. So that can be really great. You know, and also when our androgens are elevated, it can make our period wacky. So working on that can also help restore ovulation and period regularity, which is really important. And then there's also, I, I have a cortisol calmer, which is basically a, a formula that I developed that's really great for sleep, really great for stress and mood. And what we know about PCOS is that many of us have higher levels of cortisol. Cortisol makes the body want to hold on to weight and not let it go. So we really want to focus on stress management if we have PCOS. And so that formula is specifically blended for that. So that can be another great one. Magnesium is one of my favorite supplements. It's great great for sleep and stress and mood. And then vitamin D, since a lot of us are low in vitamin D, can be helpful to get in some extra supplementation there to help with cycle regularity and mood and stress. And they're yeah. just so those are a few. Exact, we can on, huh? Yeah, there's so many, but and I and I love that you mentioned these because those are the exact yeah. kind of foundational supplements that you want to take to get ahead of hair right. loss or to reverse totally. hair loss. And it just goes to show how connected everything is. Just on the 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 cortisol calmer, your product, mm -hmm. and um, we can talk about that a little bit more later on. Yeah. I. Sure. I just think like personally, I have like elevated levels of, you know, cortisol for no reason. I would say so I'm a stressed out person, right? I wouldn't say I'm like feeling stressed right. out. Right. I work out, I eat well, I eat healthy. I feel pretty good. I feel 
um, good levels of energy, like overall, like, you know, happy, kind of positive and, and all the good stuff. But yet, you know, for some reason, I get the blood work done, and we still can't figure out why it's so elevated. And and this goes back, right? So my my integrative specialist believes that it goes back to like, childhood and and your environment and like all these things that have Mm -hmm. programmed my body to just be under stress for no reason Mm -hmm. and overreact to stressors yeah right and then overreact Mm -hmm. maybe but like Mm -hmm. typically like I keep my cool I keep my calm I'm like not a reactive yeah even but still like my body's reacting like this and I think that it's just a right example of why like I like this cortisol calmer product you mentioned because mm-hmm. we have this inflammation and stress happening inside us and it's not about right. something that's necessarily shown externally but right. important to to realize that maybe this is something for you and that maybe this can kind of help uh, on the totally. inside out totally totally I mean a lot of my clients are type a you know there's yos there and and their stress levels are so high but also i have clients who consider themselves to be no stress or you know they're stay-at-home wives and they feel like they have all the time in the world to do whatever they want and get their cortisol elevated so sometimes it's overreaction to normal stressors not that they're overreacting but like our body's overreacting to normal stress and it's manifesting and it comes out in you know hormonal imbalances and it exacerbates PCOS symptoms, right? So, then yeah. I think it's so interesting that you said cortisol hangs on to weight. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like it's just such a simple sentence I've never heard. So that's mm-hmm. so yeah. interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Good, good stuff here, ladies. <laughs> yes. I'm liking yes. these little tips and these little things that good. you try to take. Okay. Good. So can we talk specifically about your clients that had experience any kind of hair loss or thinning? What kind of hair oh. loss did you see? Mm-hmm. Maybe what kind of reversal did you see? Like just like a journey, like some like an example. Sure. sure. Yeah. Let me think about that. I've had a lot of clients, obviously, with, with hair loss issues. So I tend to see it obviously in the context of elevated androgens. So somebody comes to me and they're dealing with a whole host of other symptoms. One of their main complaints is hair loss. So if we do some testing, we find that their testosterone or their DHT, which is actually a stronger androgen than testosterone. Here's something too. If you go to the doctor and get a full hormone panel, they're going to test your testosterone probably. And they might test your DHEAS, but that's really the only androgens that they will test. So there's a test that I run called the Dutch hormone test that I love, and we do a full androgen panel. So sometimes women will go to the doctor and they'll say, my, I, my hair's falling out and, and they'll get their testosterone checked. And the doctor's like, well, your, your testosterone is normal. So have a nice day. And then we do the Dutch test and their DHT is, is through the roof. And their DHT, DHT is, like I said, a stronger androgen than testosterone. So when that's really elevated, oh my gosh, they're, of course, they're going to have hair loss. So sometimes it's just, and then they're frustrated with the system because they're like, well, I went years, you know, not understanding it. And here it is on paper. So I'll have a client present with, with that. And then we'll look at the different lab work that we run and we can see more answers. So the thing about hair loss and PCOS is that this is a long game. This is not something that you, you know, dietary changes can take time. So typically we'll, we'll see differences within a few months, but it's certainly not overnight. So if I have a client who comes to me with hair loss issues or facial or bunny hair growth, those are kind of the slowest symptoms to, to move along and, and make progress in. But you absolutely have to be consistent and you will see results if you stay consistent and you stay the course. 
So it's kind of, it generally follows that, you know, it takes a few months for us to really establish dietary pattern changes. You know, what are their, what are their plates looking like? What are their snacks looking like? What, what's their movement routine? Stress is always something that we go into because stress can exacerbate extra condition of the body. It can even cause its own problems, obviously physically. So we're always looking at that. We're doing work around stress. And again, like just like with diet, stress management, all, all the impacts that, that can have don't happen overnight. They take some time. So we generally see progress within a few months and, and we can make a really, really good headway together. But yeah, it's one of the, it's, it's a long game. It's patience yeah. and consistency. Are you getting people with like, what kind of like hair loss specifically are you seeing? Are you seeing like diffuse? Are you seeing the thinning all over? Are you seeing more of the frontal hairline loss? Just really curious as to what you're seeing out there. Cause I don't speak to people because of PCOS. I do speak to people who might have it, but I'm just curious as to what angle you're kind of seeing or what you're noticing. That's an interesting question. If if you, if you Google PCOS hair loss, I I bet you'll see a lot of the male patterned hair loss because it is due to elevated androgens like right here. But honestly, I see all kinds. I see all kinds. Right. So I've seen that. I've seen just all, you know, all over thinning. I've seen all over loss. I mean, I've I've seen a whole whole range. But I've also been doing this for a very long time. So maybe I've just been exposed to a lot. I don't know. Dr. Riddle is one thing. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's talk about kind of what you've seen as of late. What are some more common symptoms that we're seeing today or what do we find maybe younger women are experiencing what's you know kind of what's changing like what what are more people dealing with today than before so this is a hard question I think okay so if we talk about causes of PCOS we don't fully understand what causes PCOS there are different theories out there one of them being there's a genetic link potentially, one of them being there's a link to inflammation. There's all kinds of these theories, but we don't have one concrete answer, definitive answer. So there are things that can exacerbate PCOS. And I want to make it clear that this is not the cause of PCOS, but it can exacerbate your PCOS. One of them is stress, obviously. And I think that we're more stressed than ever, especially, you know, running running lab work before the pandemic and after. I, I do see more adrenal issues. I mean, at the time of the pandemic, I had a lot of clients, obviously I work with women who were moms and they had two and three-year-olds at home running around. They were working full time. I can't imagine that. It's so hard. So I saw a lot more adrenal and stress issues. Hence, I saw more PCOS problems. The other thing that I do see And this is just what's out there is a higher weight for some of us can exacerbate PCOS symptoms. I know personally, my PCOS was at its worst when I was at my highest body weight. I was about 50 pounds heavier than I am now, and it was raging. So we do see that. We do have research that a higher body weight can exacerbate, not cause, but exacerbate PCOS symptoms. So I think too, as just kind of our, our bodies change, right? We do have, if we look at the average BMI now versus 30, 40 years ago, we might see worsened PCOS symptoms potentially because of that. And everybody's different, but that is something to to look at too, which is interesting. So, okay, so we're seeing higher, like elevated levels of stress for that. Great. So we're seeing higher, uh-huh. like elevated levels of stress. We're seeing, you know, weight gain related kind of mm-hmm. symptoms. Right. Okay. So this, I mean, this is, it's interesting too, like pre and post COVID mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. 
noticing these sorts of changes, which says so much. And just how much I know. How much we're like a product of our environment. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent we are. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about your thoughts on medications for PCOS. Let's talk about that yeah. for a second. My approach sure. of no medications as much as I can possibly avoid it in life. I mm-hmm. don't take any prescription medications. Thankfully, I don't have to. I have no reason to. Mm-hmm. I know that at times, you know, there are no other options and they can really help people in such a great way. But what are your thoughts right. on medications? Are you for them? you know, do you help people get off them? Do you, are there ones you like, ones you avoid? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. So I think the two main medications that I see with PCOS are metformin. Actually, there's three. Metformin, spironolactone, and birth control. So my, my the, I mean, I come from a clinical background. So, you know, my, my mindset is always whatever helps you and whatever helps you feel good. But I also want women to know that there all are alternatives to these and that you don't have to take them. So if we go to the doctor and we're really, you know, dealing with with difficult PCOS symptoms, we don't have to take that if we don't want to. There's other things we can do. So I'll support whatever route clients or my program members want to go, but some of them do have side effects, right? Metformin can cause really harsh digestive issues. And that can be really detrimental for your everyday life. You know, if you're running to the bathroom all the time, it's not fun. So if women want to get off that, then I'll absolutely support that. And then birth control obviously has a whole host of side effects and it really varies per person. So I just, I guess I just want women to know that there are alternatives and there's other things that we can do, but they don't have to take those medications because of those nasty side effects and they can really not be fun. So yeah, okay. I guess that's kind of my, my best answer. Okay. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh, good to be aware yeah. of the, of the side effects and, yes. and to just kind of, you know, be, uh, I guess, just kind of cognizant of what's happening with you, mm-hmm. how you're experiencing that medication and, you know, right. and listening to your body and, and understanding that. I, and I always say this, like a slight change is something you should pay attention to even. Um, if something is slightly off or you don't feel good, like your body's always talking to you, just like our intuition's always talking to us. Yes. Our body's always talking to us. Okay. So and, true. Okay. So we touched a little bit on diet and like your your remedies. Was there anything else that you want to touch on? Like what is, what do you, what yeah. if, you know, like let's say what can the majority of us kind of easily bring into our diet to help us? And and I think that the bigger conversation isn't even just applying to anyone who has PCOS, but just like overall, right. you know, hormone levels and stress levels. And so what yeah. would you recommend that most of us can easily incorporate or cut out of our diets? Yeah. So I think starting with breakfast, if you're not somebody who eats breakfast, breakfast, we always talk about as dietitians, it's the most important food of the day. But, you know, it really is because it can set the tone for, it can set the the stage for how your blood sugar behaves the rest of the day. So if you're not somebody who does breakfast, my recommendation would just be do something real small, get some protein and fiber in. So if you can do, you know, 15-ish grams of protein and six to eight grams of fiber, that would be a great breakfast to kind of set your blood sugar off on the right foot. And it can be as small as like a hard-boiled egg and a, you know, half a piece of fruit or something like that. It doesn't have to be fancy or complex. And most of us don't have time for that anyway. So, so what do you do? That you're a, so you're a mother of five. I recommend three. Yeah. You're a mother of two. Uh-huh. So what does your yeah. breakfast look like for you? Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll, I'll do something really easy. I have different kind of 
breakfast in my rotation, I'll do a couple of fried eggs with some avocado or some sweet potato. I'll do some overnight oats and I'll prep that, you know, in advance. But I always add protein to my oats. That way, yeah. you know, how do you like- balance out the carb content. Love it. How yeah. do you like to add protein to your oats? I'm curious. Well, to the overnight oats, you just add it right in. You just stir it right in. Oh, like your protein powder, you mean? Yes. Okay. Protein powder. Yeah. But you can also do Greek yogurt. I love that in the morning too for breakfast. That's got a lot of protein and probiotics. And then you can add, you know, nut butter or some fruit to it. So you can get that fire chia or flax. So you can get some sort of fiber in that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like, I add like all of the above. Yeah. Good. Well, you know what's crazy? Like you talked about like having more regular meals throughout the day instead of like the one big meal and then start of the day Mm -hmm. and then the one big meal at night. And that's typically what I tend to do. So like Mm -hmm. I I know I have to kind of look out for that because I don't know how I like make it in the middle of the day without like eating anything, but just I have the biggest breakfast possible. Um, Uh And then I try to not have such a heavy dinner. But yeah, there's like a big gap in, in what I eat. Yes. So definitely going to try to see it's funny because like when you hear things from a different perspective then like it's kind of like all I need to know I'm like oh no I don't want to mess up my blood sugar regulation because that's going to show off my hormones and then like it's going to spike my cortisol levels and you don't see those you don't see them happening but your body's still functioning so it's going to do it regardless yes exactly I know yeah it's it yeah, it's uh, it's really hard with things like, yeah, if you're not getting regular testing like cortisol or, you know, inflammatory markers, like, well, how do I know I'm on the right track? Right. But it's just listen to your body. You know, if something, we know when something's off. We know when we're, we're not feeling our best and we know when we're feeling great. So pay attention to what you're doing when you're feeling great and when you're feeling not so great and make some changes accordingly. You know, just listen. Your body's, you know, giving you feedback all the time. Great. Uh, what would you say is the one thing in your diet that you've completely eliminated that maybe you had just like a few years ago, but you'll no longer kind of go to? There's nothing that I've completely eliminated. I think I, I make room for the things that I I really want. And I consider those to be kind of worth it meals. And we talked about those another day in our group, you know, if I'm on on vacation, like I was at a baby shower this weekend and they had like this lavish lunch spread and mimosas and it was 11 a.m. I'm like, you know, typically I wouldn't do that on, on like my typical Tuesday, you know, right. but it felt worth it. I was with my my best girlfriends. I was celebrating this baby girl to be, and it felt worth it and good. And that was a worth it meal versus if I was sitting on the couch by myself at 11 p.m. with a bag of chips, like that's not as worth it, that experience. Right. So Thinking mm-hmm. about food in terms of like emotion and experience is really important and context matters. So I don't feel like you have to eliminate anything. I feel like you can make things work by deciding how much and when you want to have them. If you're somebody, I, the one thing that I think about is caffeine because we do know that caffeine can raise cortisol. So I've done a lot of work just trying to pare down, not eliminate, but pare down how much caffeine that I have in a day. Like I used to, especially in grad school, my God, I like lived off of it. <laughs> so um, trying to, to kind of scale back and do more teas or, you know, water, sparkling waters, whatever it is, can be helpful to try to, you know, get that cortisol in line too. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about your programs. Why don't you share with everybody kind of how you yeah. work with people and like the services that sure. you're offering? Totally. Yeah. So I, I don't work one-on-one anymore. I, I run two PCOS programs and I've been running them for years and they're extremely successful. That's why I keep running them. 
I love them. One of them is my Get Pregnant with PCOS program, and that helps women with PCOS conceive on their own. And it also has a weight loss mode that you can go into as well if you want to tackle both. And then I have my PCOS Boss Academy, which is exclusively focused on PCOS symptom management and weight management, weight loss. But these are, when I say weight loss, I'm not talking about crazy restrictive. I mean, that's that's not the angle that I come from. It's all very doable and it's sustainable. And that's the way that it should be in my opinion. Yeah, I so, love that. The healthy approach, yeah. like educating oh, yeah. yourself on the decisions that you're making. Yes. I mean, yeah. let's be honest, none of these like restrictive diets work. No. And no. they might work in the beginning, but like, yes. how is it sustainable? Like, I think, I think, <laughs> right. And I just like, I think like yeah. one of the things that gets to me the most is that when somebody wants to go all in and do this like really intense, crazy diet and they're like, ready for this big change and then it gets turned into this like thing this relation to this like unhealthy relationship you're building with food i just i'm like you you know you're not going to sustain this like there's no way and i love that you said you have your worth it choices yeah like okay like i'm if i'm going to indulge like it's got to be related to like a good experience i love that and such a great yeah like you know Mm -hmm. helping you decide whether to make that decision or not and when and how Totally. Yeah, totally. And I think it keeps that experience, you know, at, at the center and, and how we feel about food because nobody wants to go to an event like that and feel like they have to eat, you know, lettuce and then leave. So yeah, right. Yeah. I know. I think there, I saw so, I see, see so much wrong in the weight loss world. It's, I mean, it's, it's horrific. So I, I felt like at first, oh my gosh, I never want to work in weight loss. That's, but I love working at it because I'm able to show people, hey, there's a better way. And this is something that you can actually maintain and it works. So that's why right. I decided to get into this space because it is such a factor. When we have PCOS, we, it's harder for us to lose weight and it's harder for us to maintain a weight loss. So all these crazy restrictive crash, you know, fad, trendy diets, I mean, there's no way they're going to, you're going to be able to sustain that. So oh, yeah. And they're just short-term gain for long-term yeah. damage. Yes. And eating disorders. Yes. We see that all the time. Right. We, we don't got time for that. We want to like maintain no. a healthy status. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yes. Corey, this is so great. Can you tell everybody yes. where to find you on sure. social and all the websites and all the different all the different channels? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm mostly on Instagram. I'm horrible about showing up on TikTok. I tried, but I have the same handle for both. So it's the women's dietitian. And that's a dietitian with two teens and not a C. So the women's dietitian, I also have my website's www.thewomensdietitian.com. And you can find all the info on my supplement line, which is Vita PCOS, the two supplements we talked about today. And then I have others on there. And then my two PCOS programs, which I'll be rerouting again before the end of the year. So yes, I, so you can find me there and come chat with me on my page. I, I love interacting with my followers and getting to know you guys. So yeah, that sounds so great. You're, you're, yeah. You've got a whole system. So anybody that needs any help, she's got you covered. And I love the fact yeah. that you have your supplements online because that's obviously such a big yeah. part of the equation. And she has an incredible yes. Instagram page. Just check it out. The Women's <laughs> Dietitian. I love it. It's so good. It's so knowledgeable. And it's all about food. And like you give such great food examples and you really good. make it simple because I love I love getting your content. It's, it's really great. It's really easy to oh, follow and really educational. So Awesome. Corey, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your knowledge with us. And no doubt everyone's going to be taking a lot home with this. So thank you so much. Good. That's my goal always.
So thank you for having me. That is all for today, you guys. If you are not already, please follow me on Instagram at Shab Hair Expert to connect and learn more about what I'm up to in the world of hair health and my latest product discoveries. Feel free to drop me a line and participate in leaving your questions for my future guests when I post about it in my hair stories. I always love your input. I'm doing this all for you for the love of health and hair. I have all these episodes that I'm doing are always around women's health. And I personally love doing this because they're subjects that we can all relate to one way or another because the underlying issue is is health that we're discussing here. So always something to learn. I think that these things particularly interest me because I recognize the lack of knowledge and resources out there. I recognize just in my own personal health journey, I recognize how difficult it is to get the answers and get the right kind of solutions catered specifically to you. So these episodes are all about talking to these experts that are dealing to women that are coming, you know, looking for them, searching for all the help after they've tried alternative methods and worked with their doctors as much as they can. I believe in holistic, healthy methods of improving our health and getting ahead of any kind of illness or any kind of health challenges. So that's all. I hope you guys loved the episode. And as always, you can find all the links related to this episode in the show notes. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you've heard and you can think of a few other women to share this podcast with, please do leave me a quick review in whichever platform you're listening from. And if you have any recommendations or comments, email me at grow at hairlikehers.co or follow me at hairlikehers podcast on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.